think about this, right? Like you, you have very clear reasons why you do things. Mm-hmm. You do things a certain way. Uh, on one hand, because if I do things in this way, what does it give you? Like it, you gain pleasure from it, or you kind of move away from pain, right? It's the Tony Robbins. Why do we do anything? Moving toward pleasure, moving away from pain, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so you think of it as a positive motivation, negative motivation, or normative. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to The Pursuit. I'm so excited for our guest today to be sharing with you. He's a good friend of mine, someone I've worked with for a number of years and known for a number of years, Calvin Chen. I'll give you a little bit of background on Calvin. Calvin's a high-level coach. He's done a lot of workshops where he teaches. He works with really high-performing business people, entrepreneurs, executives, and more. Uh, work with some pretty big names in the corporate space, too. I know he's done work with IBM and AT&T and uh, some Netflix and with Tony Robbins for a long period of time. Too. So I'm very excited for the conversation today because this will be a different one than really anyone we've had on the show so far. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about really communication, about influence, about leadership. And, and I know that all of us listening, no matter what you're doing, we all have to communicate. We're all influencing and we're all leaders in some capacity. So I couldn't be more thrilled. Calvin, thanks for taking the That's time. Right. Oh, Ben, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Me too, man. So, um, just to really quickly, so we can give people a little bit of background. You've been doing this for a long time now. Why don't you kind of give people the quick Cole's notes? Here's the story. Here's how I ended up doing what I'm doing. And, and yeah, how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I've had some practice telling the story. And every time I tell the story, it's like, how do I tell it in a shorter <laughs> right. amount of time? Right. Right. Uh, you know, but basically, uh, I'm an executive coach. Right. Uh, I've been doing this. I've had my own coaching practice for eight years now, about seven and a half years before that. I was coaching, I was selling coaching for Tony Robbins. Mm. Right before that, I was cold calling for him. Right before that, I was bouncing around a couple of different uh, kind of dead end sales jobs because right before that, I had just graduated college with a degree in bioinformatics. And so I was slated for a life of science and math uh, my whole life. And I just, when I graduated from college, decided to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know the first thing about it. I just kind of had the the ego to say, all right, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to make my, my millions. Uh, and then very quickly, I found out that I'm was really bad with people. <laughs> and so it's amazing to me that, you know, so I decided to go into sales because I figured I'm so bad at, at with, with people that I need to really get good at this. Right. Because uh, it was either that or tuck my tail between my legs and go back into biotech. And so mm-hmm. I still had some residual ego <laughs> left over. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's amazing to me that, right, like where my, I started from this place where I had a lot of great ideas. I was really horrible at influencing people. I was either right, like too people pleasy, right, like or too uh, too aggressive, mm. and that was not helpful. Neither mm. of those approaches really worked. Mm. Um, and like right, like fast forward to now, I, a lot of the workshops that I teach are around leadership, communication, influence. All of my income over the last fifteen years uh, has like I've been commissioned only, and it's dependent on my ability to communicate and help people to communicate better. And none of this was anything that I I think I was naturally born with. It's uh, mm-hmm. something that I had to really intentionally learn along the way. So. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah, I think that that what you just said, that last part there is so important too, because there's certainly some people listening that are more, maybe more naturally gifted communicators. But, but I think the majority of us, 
it's not necessarily a strength that you're just born with, yeah. right? And, and, and you develop it. <clears throat> and whether you're listening, thinking, I'm really great at communicating with people, or I'm not so great, the one thing I know is all of us can get better, uh, is 100% we can get better. So, so let's, let's jump right into it. When, when you start thinking about, okay, really, <clears throat> if you want to become a more effective communicator, whether that's as a parent and you're raising your children, whether that's just your friendships or it's in a business setting, why don't we start right away? What do you think the key elements to really start to become a more effective communicator? Well, that's kind of a loaded question, just because it's it's really, uh, there's so many different pieces to it, right? But mm -hmm. at the same time, we want to keep it simple. That's one of the keys to effective communication, mm -hmm. is simplicity. So, right, on one hand, how, uh, how direct can you be about what it is you want to say uh, with as few words as possible? Mm -hmm. The more words you use, the more you, your meaning kind of gets diluted and lost, right? So there's that. Uh, but can you state it in a way where the other, it's compelling to the other person, hmm. right? It, 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 it matches with their values uh, or it's something that, that matters to them versus something that only matters to you versus something that's just kind of factual and it's just plainly neutral. Can you state what it is that you want to say in a direct way, but in a way that's compelling, hmm. right? And then also, can you do it in a way where you don't cause the other person to get defensive and put up a wall, mm. right? People mm. don't like being controlled. People don't even really like being influenced, but if you can do it correctly, they will thank you so much for influencing them. Mm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point, man. Of just, yeah, even what you said, people don't like being controlled or even influenced, but if, if you can. So... Talking about that, talk to me a little bit more about um, communicating in a way that is, in a way, in for lack of a better term, but compelling for them that they they want to listen. Yeah. Um, so everyone has. You think about this, right? Like you, you have very clear reasons why you do things. Mm -hmm. You do things a certain way. Uh, on one hand, because if I do things in this way, what does it give you? Like it. it you you gain pleasure from it or you kind of move away from pain, right? It's the Tony Robbins, why do we do anything? Moving toward pleasure, moving away from pain, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so you think of it as a positive motivation, negative motivation, or normative motivation. What is normative motivation? Well, it's just kind of who I am. It's, it's my idea of who I am. It's my identity, let's say. So if I see myself as this kind of person, then I'm going to do things in this way because it's just my identity kind of norm. Uh, it norms my behavior, basically. Like it kind of says, this is how I do things. That's how I want to keep doing things. And so if you want to state things in a way that's compelling to the other person, then you need to take some time to think through what do they care about? What do they not want? What do they really want? What kind of person is this anyway? And can I frame what it is that I want to propose or suggest in a way that resonates with them, right? Tony Robbins says, uh, in order to influence someone, we need to understand what already influences them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess that, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of a interesting thing to think about because to be influential with people in in that regard is it's you got to find out more about them i think would you agree that's kind of the starting process absolutely i i think on one hand it's pretty general 
you can in general kind of guess at what people want. They want to be healthier. They want to be happier. They want to have more money, <laughs> stuff like that. Right. And like in general, if people want to experience less pain, they want to have less problems, less worries and all that. So that's pretty general. Uh, but the, I think that's enough to, to, you know, I can assume that reasonably and then state things in a way where it kind of points you more toward what it is that you want than what you don't want. Hmm. But I think outside of that also, it is really helpful to just take the time to understand Ben and right, like in what way, like when Ben thinks about having more money or when thing, when Ben thinks about being happier, what specifically is it that Ben wants hmm. in order to be happier? What's missing for Ben? What's hurting for Ben? What does Ben fear? What does Ben kind of secretly like that he won't really like tell people because he feels like it's kind of taboo or whatever that is, right? Like mm. if we start to understand people, how they feel, what are they feeling? What do they fear? What do they want to avoid? What do they find really pleasurable? It's kind of taboo. Mm. Um, then you have more data points. Mm. And why, why do you think in leadership too, um, you know, and again, everyone listening is a leader in some capacity, but certainly when we think about, let's talk about the business environment. Why do you think in leadership, more people aren't taking the time to, to find those out about their, whether it's their staff or their teammates or the people they work with or whatever it might be, or even our, even our family and friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in general, right. Cause I'm, I'm, I have to speak in broad strokes right here. If it was an individual person, I would just ask them. Mm -hmm. uh, but in general, uh, people live busy lives, right? And in business, there's specific outcomes that we need to get to. Mm -hmm. And if we don't get to those outcomes, then the business starts losing money. We could lose clients, right? The client might want to go to a different vendor, a different business uh, uh, that service their needs better. And so there's a lot of pressure in business. It's not, uh, there's a lot of things at stake, let's say. Mm -hmm. It's high stakes, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you get that pressure, then, and the business owner's, uh, in a state of, I got to make this happen because it's my survival on the line, mm -hmm. right? Uh, then you're kind of thinking about your own stakes mm -hmm. and you're not necessarily taking the time to think about the other person's stakes or the other person's interests who you're trying to influence because you're coming from what your own interests and your own stakes are, which is very natural. And you got to think about that stuff, right? This is your business. Um, but when there's too much of that pressure, then you're not really uh, thinking about other people's stakes as much. In fact, it should be obvious <laughs> is what the business owners say. And, and uh, you know, um, it's not obvious, right? It's not obvious, right? Even if it were obvious, well, those are your reasons. Those aren't necessarily other people's reasons for why they might want to do things. Mm. Um, I think added on top of that, um, this is kind of social commentary maybe, but I mean, the way that we grew up, right? Our parents didn't necessarily take the time to understand what we enjoy, what we like, and then kind of frame things in a way where it's like, hey, you should do this because this is what's good for you. And it's going to get you more of what you want anyway, right? right? It, it was more command, control, and compliance, Absolutely. the way that we did things. And so when you're a business owner and you're in a state of playing to not lose, most likely you're coming, you're going to come, you're just most likely going to come from a place of command control and compliance mm. because you're in that state of playing to not lose. Uh, but also you're the business owner. And so you have the authority. And so when you have the authority, you kind of have less need for empathy, <laughs> mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, which, uh, you know, I, I think that's just the human 
nervous system and how it's set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I, I think what you were just talking about with really that control and compliance, I, I feel like probably for a lot of us and whether it was in previous work life or certainly growing up where, like you just said, it was, this is the way things are. Do it because yeah. I said so. Yeah. And, you know, we, you may not even realize, we may not even realize that now I'm actually showing up that way in my business that I'm in or in the team that I lead or if you're in the corporate world or whatever it might be. And it, uh, I think a big part of what you're talking about too is awareness, right? Is, is, am I even aware of if the fact that I'm not leading in an effective way? I, again, I think some of this stuff can be obvious, but I want to ask you this too. So let's say, you know, someone's listening, think, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm really good influencer, really good at leadership. Um, what might be a good way to examine, if you will, to figure out, okay, how effective am I really showing up in leadership? Do you love your people and because they're so awesome and all and, and and they're doing what they're needing to do and they're kind of like proactively solving problems uh, without really taking up too much of your time or are you like I love my people but <laughs> right and and there's there's a pretty good list after that but right there and so if if it's if it's I love my people and there's a pretty good list behind that but um, it doesn't mean that you're not an effective leader, but it, it means that you have opportunities to be more effective there, most likely. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's such a good answer to that. And, and I've experienced that. I know <laughs> I've been through that for sure. And have those it, conversations. <laughs> it, 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 it takes a shift. It takes a shift to really start to 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 love people and and not have the butt, right? Of <laughs> if they only did this for sure. Yeah. That's so good. Um, <laughs> so I guess in kind of this context, I think that a lot of people listening can appreciate what you just said, where I love my people. No, no, I do love my people, but if they would do this, this, and this, yeah. and we were talking about this a little bit earlier too before, but uh, really the idea of, I think something you get talked to a lot about is this idea of, man, what's wrong with my people, right? Why, why aren't they listening to me? Why won't they just do that? You know, I did it. Why don't they just do it? And so I think these are conversations that a lot of leaders all across all the things that you do are, are a common theme. So yeah. tell us tell us your thoughts on maybe that context or subject or yeah, let's yeah. dive into that a bit. Let's talk about what's wrong with people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so a uh, little tongue in cheek, but I mean, really what's wrong with people is that they're not you, right? They can't read your mind. They don't know, they don't, they don't understand fully exactly what you mean when you give one word answers. Mm. Uh, exactly. And, uh, you know, like when you go tell them to do something, they don't even have the same stakes as you necessarily. And so they're just, they're not you. They have a different value set. They were raised maybe in a different culture. Maybe they're in a different generation. Right. So for you to say, well, this is how I did things. That's great. That's, that's how you did things. Right. What's what's wrong with you is that you're not me. <laughs> right. Basically, I mean, like that's what's going on. And so so then from there, it's kind of like, OK, everyone has a different model of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Everyone has different stakes uh, and interests. And really, everyone also has varying levels of um, competency at something. Mm. Right. Even if we're in the same martial arts school, right? Jimmy has longer legs. You know, he's going to be better at throwing kicks long range. Right. 
Stanley over there is shorter. He's going to need to like figure out how to close the gap better and stuff. Everyone's just kind of built differently. And so they have different strengths also and different competencies. And so when we go to lead people, I think there's so much that goes into being a great leader, mm-hmm. but one of the juggles that we have to have then as a leader is how do I give like one, like kind of standardized unified vision in a way and create this kind of like environment where we all come together in common, but it leaves space for all of us to be individuals. And as individuals, we kind of pour in our strengths and our perspectives into making this enterprise great together. Hmm. You know, I think that's probably a subject in and of itself right there is. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But, you know, but, but besides that, because we're talking about influence and communication, mm-hmm. right, then mm-hmm. what that means is when you go into having a conversation with someone, there's, I think, three very important things to think through, okay. right? Number one, we kind of touched on it, which is what does this person care about? What are their values? You know, like how do they, how do they see themselves? Uh, uh, how do they not want to see themselves? Mm. right? What are their dreams? What are the hopes? What are their fears? And so kind of understanding what motivates this person, because if we can understand what motivates this person, we can use those things. We can frame things in those terms to motivate them, right? Mm. So that's the first thing. Mm. The, the second thing also, and I think this is really important right here, is understanding what skill gaps does this person have? Mm. What level of thinking do they not have or what thinking do they have, right? Do they have all the resources that they need in order to succeed at the level that I want them to? Or do they have significant obstacles, right? Mm. Do they have the help that they need in order to achieve what they want? Or do they have people that are actively kind of hindering or sabotaging them, Mm. right? So on one hand, how do I make it motivating for people to, to do what it is that I'd like for them to do? But also how do I make it easier for them? Mm. Is it easy enough for them to do what it is that I want them to do, right? Because if it's not easy enough, if you just put one or two extra steps in the way, you know that it's harder, right? Imagine in your business, Ben, if mm-hmm. inst- it, it, like how many, for example, in your business, mm-hmm. you want to sit down with someone to, 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 to have an appointment with them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how many steps does that take? It's one phone call and then hopefully you get them on the phone mm-hmm. and then, right, mm-hmm. you sit down with them. So you have a certain conversion ratio that way. Mm-hmm. Imagine that just for whatever reason, you just it has to be like a three-touch process in order to set an appointment with someone. Mm-hmm. Your conversion is gonna go down from here. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just like it's just like tiny little things. So like you can either make things harder for people or you can make things easier for people. How do I understand, you know, like what makes things hard or easy for this person? And how do I make it easier for this person to follow through? Mm-hmm. Here's a, a silly example, but a, a real life one is um yeah, uh, I was dating my wife for a while mm-hmm. and she's an event planner. So she's very good at being on time for things. Me, not so much. Right? <laughs> I've become a lot better now. Yeah. But, you know, I would make her wait for things when we were dating and she'd be really mad and I'd feel really, I'd feel really bad. Mm-hmm. I'd feel really guilty. I'm like, ah, I won't do it again. I promise. <laughs> I felt so bad. Mm-hmm. And I promise and I promise and I, I promise you I meant it, but I would make her late again. And I would make her late again. And I promise there's just so much pressure on it. And then I'd make her late again. Mm. Right. And after enough of this cycle right here, she kind of one day like threw her hands up. It's like, and was like, have you ever been on time for anything? 
And I couldn't even get defensive about it because it had happened so many times. Mm. Uh, but then when she asked me, my life flashed before my eyes. <laughs> and I realized, no, I haven't really been on time for anything, actually. Like, I remember, like, very specific moments in childhood. My dad's, like, yelling at us in the car. We're at the stoplight. And when it turned, the, the, you get the green arrow, he just pulls a U-turn and goes home and says, this is too embarrassing. We're not even going to go anymore. Like, that mm. happened a lot. Mm. So I didn't have the thinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? So, and it sounds really silly because it's like, come on, dude. Like you don't have, this is your own business right here. Like this is your own livelihood right here. You can't just be on time for things. Get out of here. And it seems so minuscule, but if we kind of like were to get out of the judgment of all that, this person clearly doesn't have the pattern of being on time for things. So it's not like they can't think through, oh, uh, right. Driving time and maybe a little bit of traffic. Oh, parking and then walking into the building. Oh, and then like, I still have to get dressed. Like how much time, you know what? I should start getting ready now. Right. Right. Like if you ask me those questions, I could think it through, mm-hmm. but, it, but it, those, that thinking didn't happen on my own. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so what I eventually agreed with Leslie on my wife was that, uh, all right, you know, I submit, you can go back to giving me one hour warnings, 45 minute, 35, 30 minute, 15 minute warnings. And that little, that little agreement was so much easier for me to be able to follow through on. You see what I mean? So mm-hmm. that made it easier for me. And now I'm a lot better at being on time for things. But then, yeah, as a leader, can you make it compelling enough? But after it's compelling enough, can you make it easy enough for this person to follow through? If it's too hard, too out of the way, it's not like they won't, but it's just your conversion ratio is going to be a lot smaller because it's harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So to expand on that too, or, or kind of go beyond that in a way, but say I'm thinking of someone and I got, okay, yeah, I get it. I definitely know these people, there's a gap there. There's a thinking gap. There's a skill gap, whatever it might be. I think this can really jump into another part of, of our conversation, mm-hmm. but how do you really effectively, I mean, some of these conversations are not comfortable, right? You know, you're working with this person and whether that's your staff or whether that's a, you know, somebody in your business or whatever it might be. And you now, you know, you need to address a clear skill gap, thinking gap, but you're worried about how they're going to take that. Maybe talk to us a bit about that, about how to approach some of these more uncomfortable kinds of conversations without just authoritarian, Hey, fix this or you're, you're out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. So w- which kind of leads to uh, the, the third thing you want to think through. So motivation, right? Making motivating enough, making it easy enough. And the third thing is, how do I, ca- how do I have this conversation and, and like cause them to not resist me? Because <laughs> that's really the thing right there, right? Is it's uncomfortable. Maybe you have some resistance. Maybe they're going to have some resistance. And it all just goes to hell from there, right? Like when mm-hmm. people get re- when people get defensive, you're going to get one of two things. Either go- they're going to start masking how they they really feel on the inside. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, 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 Ben, sure. But you know they don't really mean it somehow mm-hmm. or you wonder if they do, right? Mm-hmm. Or so it's either silence or violence. And then on the other mm-hmm. side, they start to, it starts getting emotionally, like they start getting defensive and louder or like emotionally unhealthy mm-hmm. <laughs> in their response, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 the idea here is how do I have that conversation and establish and maintain a sense of safety and belonging mm. in the conversation? 
Mm-hmm. Right? How do I establish that that safety and belonging? And so um, there's a couple ideas here, right? Like first thing is you really it would really serve you, the leader, the influencer, to first of all look at the situation with judgment-free awareness. Mm. And now, what does that mean to you when I say judgment-free awareness? Yeah, I, I think for me, it's kind of, I guess in a way, sometimes it's hard, but to just be more objective about remove the emotion from it in a way is what it would be is mm-hmm. not, uh, it's not good or bad. It's just, this is what is. Calvin's, is. Calvin's late, period. Yeah. Not good or bad. It just yeah. is, right? Not necessarily good or bad. I probably don't even understand all the context behind it, mm. right? So it is, and then I can get curious from there, mm-hmm. right? So what's great is that it's it's like an open-minded awareness. Like, okay, this just is, before I start labeling it, let me try to understand what else is going on right here. And that what that does is that really saves you from coming in uh, and coloring this person with your judgment. Because a judgment is an assumption and the assumptions that we carry into a conversation about people uh, turns into accusations pretty quickly. Like you can accuse someone of being lazy or weak mm. or not wanting enough, sure. wanting it enough, or maybe like this isn't right for you. Uh, and you don't even have to say those words. A lot of mm. times people do say those words on accident. Right. Right. But just if you have that judgment, it's going to come through and it'll make people defensive because they're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, so first of all, judgment-free awareness to be able to approach the situation, open minds, open minds, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Open minds, open minds, open hearts, open hearts. And so come in here, judgment-free awareness. You also want to establish some sort of a permission space. Okay. Like, hey, like I, I want to talk to you about something right here. There's something not quite working, but I have some ideas. Can I put them on the table with you? Mm. And just asking, can I? Can we talk about that? Do you have five minutes? When can we talk about this? Right? Mm. Can I ask you about to help me understand, please? These are. It's such a subtle uh, linguistic device, mm. but notice what that does, right? Like, what? What's your sense of that? What does that do? Well, I think just the fact that you're asking, there's no, um, again, that judgment-free awareness, but there's no, I'm not being attacked. Uh, by any means. And so therefore I'm going to be more open. So you by asking then, yeah, sure. You can, you can talk to me about that versus, Hey, we got to talk. Yeah. 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 Like I'm, I'm not like, I'm respecting your boundaries. I'm kind of like, before I come in, I knock on the door. You're going to open the door because, because I knocked on the door most likely. (laughs) Right. But in doing so, I give you the choice to say, no, I don't want to have that conversation. And a very funny thing happens right there is that when I ask that question, uh, you get the chance to say no, which means that when you say yes, you have ownership over that now. Hmm. Right. And so when you're stepping into the conversation that way, you chose to come into this conversation. Now it's not me barging in. I'm not foisting something upon you. It's something that you chose. So there's less, you, you have less occasion to resist because you chose, right? Remember when Aladdin was like, hey, Princess Jasmine, you want to ride on this magic carpet? She's like, mm, I don't know, <laughs> right? It's like, well, do you trust me? And he gave her the chance to say no. Do you, you trust me? And she's like, well, now that you ask, <laughs> maybe let's try, <laughs> yeah. right? But then like now flying on the magic carpet 
was like within her permission space because she chose and now you can go anywhere like thousands of feet in the air no seat belt it's fine mm-hmm. right so establishing some sort of a permission space and kind of paying attention to when this person feels uh like unsafe again or whatever and they're kind of reestablishing that permission space mm-hmm. i think that uh like a black belt move in situations like this is to be able to speak about what's going on uh, but always having your finger on the pulse of is this person starting to feel a little resistant? Because if they are, then I want to back off the content of the conversation and reestablish the context, mm-hmm. which the context, right? Judgment-free awareness, permission space. And then the third piece of that is some sort of shared purpose and some sort of a shared why, mm-hmm. right? So, hey, I want to have this conversation with you because I think there's just a whole nother level for you. Right. I, I don't want you to think that I don't think you're doing enough. I don't want you to think that I don't think you're trying right here. Okay. Uh, but I want to see you performing things at this level. And so can we talk about that? Right. Just sharing where I'm coming from. What is my intention right here? And can I share my intention in a way where it's a noble intention? It's not only about my needs and my wants, but it also includes what I want for you. And what mm-hmm. I want for you is right. I've taken the time to think through what it is that you want for you. Right. So I'm able to, to share what my intention is and I have to mean it obviously. Right. And it's not just a technique. I genuinely mean this, but if I can genuinely mean that, Hey, I want to have this conversation with you. You might not feel comfortable with it at first, but here's why I want to have the conversation. And it's something where I care about you. That's why. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's really setting the stage. It's almost like the framework of, you know, I think, I think that's so important. And all of us that are in leadership type roles, I mean, there's obviously going to be t- times where you got to have uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And I think you probably err for most people on one side or the other. One is mm-hmm. I'm just going to avoid it. Yeah. Or two is you're immediately kind of authoritarian. Boom. You got to fix this. What's wrong with you? Which always ends really, really well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's that's a great way to approach it. Um, what do you what do you find? And we might, I'm sure we talked about some of them, but in all the coaching you've done, uh, the workshops you do, working with leadership teams, everything, what do you find? Maybe, maybe the common beyond the what's wrong with people, but the common challenges that people people are facing in leadership today? Common challenges that people are facing in leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think leaders really, and this is people in general, right? So it just kind of gets amplified for leaders in particular, but leaders have a lot going on. Like they're, they're juggling a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot at stake. Mm-hmm. And it all depends on them, but they depend on their people. There's a lot of pressure. Mm. See what I mean? Mm. And uh, I find that for most leaders, it's if I were to boil it down to one thing that kind of leads, like the one thing that enables the hundred things mm-hmm. would be that they don't have the space. They don't give themselves the space or the support to think things through on how they want to have this conversation or have that conversation, or they don't have the emotional space to be like, Oh, wait, hold on. I'm kind of frustrated and upset right now. 
Mm. Let me take some time to like really kind of feel through what's going on so that I can go into this interaction or I can make this decision or I can go to execute that thing from a place of emotional clarity. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's just not a space we that leaders kind of naturally give themselves because you know, most of the times people get into a position of leadership because they're a high performer, they're a high achiever. Mm-hmm. How did you become a high achiever? You became a high achiever by working against pressure, <laughs> right? And you you became a high achiever by saying, you know what? Tremendous amount of pressure right here, but I can take it. I can get by and make a lot out of nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of one of those situations where what got you here isn't necessarily going to get you there. Mm. Um, and my, my coach stated, stated it to me in a different way, but I just, I thought it was so bang on and and just on the money. He said, you know, like when you, uh, when you're a high level player, your needs just kind of like your needs become that much more important. Mm. You're not going to find an Olympic athlete who eats trash. You know what I mean? You're not going to find a high level uh, yeah, you're not going to find a high level athlete who's taking care of themselves like a regular high school kid takes care of themselves, right? Sure. Like your nutrition's dialed in. You mm-hmm. kind of have a really good sleep routine right there, right? You probably have sleep devices monitoring how you're sleeping. You have mm-hmm. a really killer rehab and prehab routine. You know, like the, all these systems of support are really dialed in. But for most leaders, they haven't developed that yet because they're still coming out of that high achiever sort of mindset. And so to get to that next level, it's like, yeah, we need you achieving at a high level, but we need you to be able to do that with as much clarity as possible also. That's really good. Um, And on that note, because a lot of people listening are higher achievers um, and what, so creating some space for yourself to, I, I think really, I mean, what you're talking about is rather than just reacting to a situation, it's creating the space so you can effectively respond to uh to what what may be going on but talk to us a little bit about maybe some other things that you've seen that you've helped people with and making the shift from perhaps just high performer mm-hmm. to someone that's in a much more a, a leadership role because there's a big difference between producing and leading there's a very big yeah. difference right so talk to us a bit about some of that stuff things that would help people in making that shift so i'll offer a metaphor first and then kind of get into more tangibles right yeah Okay, so um, I think of it as like you're think of it as you're going from being a warrior, which as a warrior, right? Like you just gotta do it. You gotta have thick skin, <laughs> go out there and just give it your all. It's right. you, either you're dying or the other person's dying, kind of thing, right? So like that's that's being a high achiever. Like that's where most people are, like as, as high achievers, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mixed with some intelligence and and you know technical know-how and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you start to become a leader, you need to start to think of yourself as more of a king. You're, and, and that's a big shift that, that across the board, uh, people, when they start to move up enough, they need to be aware of making is, how do you go from being a warrior to being a king? Mm-hmm. And so, right, like now, when you think of it as a king, you're not, you could party all the time. <laughs> You can you can spend the riches of the kingdom and all that, right? But like that just that leads to the downfall of everything. Mm-hmm. So you need a really good uh, environment around you to where your needs 
are handled and taken care of so that you can be focused on the needs of the kingdom and the needs of your allies and kind of like what challenges could come from where. There's a lot more strategic thinking that, that comes into, into play right here. And you need to be able to communicate with people and be diplomatic and all that, which means that if you have a lot of like emotions that are not taken care of, you're not going to be able to do that from an even keel. Right. So the suggestion right here would kind of help a high achiever be a higher achiever, but also would help someone to be a better leader also, mm-hmm. which is to, to, to create a, a really good, um, per, I, I call it a personal foundation. Mm-hmm. So a personal foundation, like now we're talking about like your habits, it, like we want to understand what your needs are what your wants, like basically what your needs are in order for you to perform at a very high level and then create an environment around that where those needs are kind of like met 99% of the time. So specifically, tangibly, this is where I'm looking at, for example, across the board would be having a good evening routine, having a good morning routine. How are you jotting down your, how do you manage your focus kind of throughout the day, right? Like how do you manage your calendar, but also how do you manage distractions? You know, like when are you, when are you doing your planning? Um, do you have a way to keep track of your people and what does this person, what are this person's interests and needs and what are their skill gaps? What about this person? What about this person? Cause you're having a, there's a lot of big picture stuff that comes into play. Mm-hmm. And so we need to have good habits and a good structure that satisfies most of these needs so that when you go to lead, when you go to play, you don't have any need. You don't, you're not like, okay, I got to try really hard, but I'm hungry. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, and you need to kind of dial up your sensitivity actually to conflict and, and proactively solve those things. Where as a warrior, you can say, ah, that doesn't matter as much. I can deprioritize those things because this is what's important to me right now. Well, mm-hmm. as a leader, you want I, I would want you to get even more sensitive to where potential conflict could come from so mm-hmm. that you can solve those things proactively so that when you're in the game, you're fully in the game. Uh, you're, you're playing as a warrior. You're playing as a king. And you're not so worried about, you know, like, are things okay between me and my wife? Right. Mm. Or is diabetes going to like end me or take me out of the game early? Just like these things that as a warrior, you think you have to neglect or that you can afford to mm-hmm. as a king, you can't afford to. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So re- really taking care of that, as you called it, your strong personal foundation yeah. first so that you can be present for the needs of others and more aware. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, cause, cause when you think about being a King, like most people are like, Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm going to get all my needs met like, mm-hmm. in, in very, uh, uh, delectable, but maybe unsavory ways. Right. But right. like really <laughs> what you're here to do, like the point of having a King, right. Is that the resources of the kingdom are magnified and the people in the kingdom are happy and, and they're making the most out of themselves. So you're so focused on other people. That's why your needs really need to be met right here. Hmm. You know? But most of the times we're, we're kind of like in that space of neglecting our needs because we have to be warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that what you're talking about too, because leadership can it is, it can be a very demanding thing and you're giving so much of your own energy to others and, and in so many different ways that if you're not doing what you're talking about, then you're already starting the day for, there's no strong morning. There's no strong evening. I'm already starting the day at almost a, a deficit of my energy versus a recharging of it 
and laying that foundation that, okay, I'm centered. I'm ready. Let's go. Um, I, I, I got one more question. I'm going to switch gears on in a minute here, but first things first, I do want to ask this. Um, tell us a little bit about maybe a couple of the top, maybe books or resources. If people say, Hey, this sounds amazing. I want to learn more about this stuff. I know I want to get better. What would you recommend? What are some resources people could go to? Um, this will come as no surprise to you, Ben. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Crucial, there, there's two books. They're kind of cousins, brothers and sisters, maybe. There's uh, Crucial Conversations mm-hmm. and Crucial Confrontations, mm. I think, are really good books. Uh, as far as how do you have hard conversations and influence people and how that go well, right? There's there's another book by the same authors called Influencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not being a it's not about being a social media personality. It's, it's about making changes to people's behavior on a big scale. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of related to the, 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 the topics in crucial conversations, but it's more about how do you effect change on a, on a pretty big scale through like a whole population of people. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of, um, and I'll put this in the show notes, everything, but in terms of people, they want to hear more from you. They want to connect with you more. Where would you want them to reach out to you? Um, they can reach out to me by email, calvin.chen, C-A-L-V-I-N dot C-H-E-N yeah. at gmail.com. Um, or they can go to my website, calvinvchen.com, uh, V for Victor. Perfect. Awesome. I love it. So last question I want to ask you before we wrap up is we've been talking a lot about in business or you know the corporate structure and that kind of stuff. I, I want to hear how some of this can be applied or some thoughts on, because I'm sure you've coached people in this area. How might I be able to use more of what we've been talking about in even my, you know, my relationship with my spouse. So in some of the coaching you've done, I'm sure that's been part of it. Um, but how to create, yeah, I guess in a lot of ways, how to have better communication in your marital relationship or your significant other. Yeah. So uh, uh, let me say this. This has primarily benefited me the most <laughs> in my personal relationships mm. um, because re- all relationships are personal. Even if they serve business uh, ends, a-, a relationship is a personal thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, Can you show you that you care? Can you care enough to get curious and not accuse and not be judgmental and all that? So, uh, the the tools and the ideas would be the same, but maybe I can give an example or two mm-hmm. to kind of Please. substantiate what we're talking about, right? So, yeah. um, <laughs> I gave the example already about like me being late <laughs> mm-hmm. and making things easy. But um, you know, my wife, she, we have two kids now. Mm-hmm. Uh, youngest daughter is about to turn one, uh, and maybe half a year ago somewhere around there, my wife started to have some mysterious health challenges. Like she would have tingling in her feet and in her arms and stuff like that. And I get really worried about it. First place I go is self-care. <laughs> mm. Maybe because of what I do, like first place that I went was self-care and, you know, like, oh gosh, like I look at my wife and, and being a mom is really hard. And I just wish that she took care of herself better. Mm. Uh, and I can see so many ways that like, if I were her, I would take care of myself. It's easy to assume that stuff. You mm. know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, like you, you should just do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would just, so that's what I would say. I was like, you should just do these things. And then for her, it would just be like, ah, oh, here's something else to do. right and like calvin doesn't understand how hard it is and i'm like i understand i think i see how hard it is that's why you should just do these things 
And I'm getting, she's getting frustrated. I'm getting frustrated, right? But she's the one with like the health challenges, which makes it worse for her that I'm getting frustrated at her. Mm. You see what I mean? Mm. And, but for so long, I didn't realize that I was really coming from what was at stake for me, which was that I didn't want to have a wife who is constantly unhappy, having health challenges. I feel bad. I feel bad. Like these were actually like all my stakes Mm. that I was worried about right there. And I started to realize that I had this story in my head that she just, she's not the kind of person who takes care of herself. Mm. She's not that she just doesn't want to. Like that was the story that I had in my head. Mm -hmm. And so um, I realized that I had that story. So I, one day I was able to say, you know what, let me go test my assumptions right there. Let me just kind of like go check if I'm even on the right track. So I asked, I was like, you know, honey, it seems like self-care is something that you don't really take to as much. My story is that it's something that you don't care about. That's my story. That's my assumption, right? Mm. Uh, You know, like, but you know, that might not be true. Right. So help me understand if you don't mind, you know, like what, what's going on? Is it like something that's hard to do? Is it something that you, maybe you just don't even think about it. Like I don't even think about how to be on, how to be early for things until like way later in a relationship, thanks to your help, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, and that's when I started to understand, she's like, you know, like as a Filipino woman, like you're taught to just take care of everyone else and that you don't really take care of yourself. That would be selfish. You're really just supposed to take care of everyone else. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting was that for me to understand that was one thing, but for her to say that, this is the interesting part was just for her to have the occasion to say that it was kind of like that moment where I was like, yeah, I guess I haven't really been ever on time for something. Like it was like a realization for her to be like, you know what? I do want to take care of myself better though. And Mm -hmm. I guess I haven't because kind of never really had that level of thinking because I wasn't really ever taught to, but that's not who I want to be. And so just instead of like telling, telling, telling her what to do, just getting curious and checking my own assumptions. Now that was a conversation where we were able to kind of like discover the truth together and not like me telling her and her saying and her either resisting me or having to like comply, mm-hmm. you know, which kind of like turned the whole thing around mm. kind of at least kind of created the opening so that she, you know, then I partnered with her on like, okay, how can I support you and supporting yourself better sort of thing, you know? That's gold. I was thinking about, you know, how I'm going to be able to apply that in my own life. And I, as it dawned on me, how often I'll tell Tiff, my wife, Hey, you should just do this. <laughs> just, just do yeah. this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I got some work to do on that. Get to get better at my communication there. hundred uh, percent. Hey man, thanks so much for that time. This has been awesome. I love this stuff. I think that it's one of those areas that as we start out the call, no matter how good someone thinks they are or aren't at this stuff, we can all get better at it. And the one thing all of us have in common uh, is that we're always going to be dealing with people for the rest of our lives, right? And (laughs) so we might as well get as good as we can at this stuff. So appreciate your time so much. Really fun doing this. I'm sure we'll do some other ones in the future too. And everybody, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Connect with Calvin. Uh, Connect with us on social media, by the way. And just make sure to share this. As always, share it with a few people. Get this out there. If you're new to the show, please subscribe. Leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. All right, everybody. Take care. Thank you, Ben. Ben.